Halloween. It's Halloween. It's Halloween. Ooh. Welcome, everyone. Hello. To tell me something I didn't need to know. It is, in fact, Halloween. Happy birthday, Dad. Happy birthday, Daddy. If he were still here, he would be laughing his ass off, rolling his eyes, shaking his head at us, and uh, he would probably be sitting in that chair right there. I was just thinking that. Adding his two cents worth, and oh, he yeah. would have some awesome shit to add to this podcast. You know he would. Oh my god, by the way, it's telling me something I didn't need to know. Isn't that what I just said? I don't think so, but... I thought I did. Well, welcome to tell me something I didn't need to know. I'm Mary Swartz. I'm Hannah Green. We are your hostess with the mostest of the Halloween edition. Yeah, and we have a little change for you today. I know, because change over. is great. Change is amazing. This is actually the second episode of season two. We have made it this far. I know. Can you believe it? Not really. So, with it being season two, we decided we we're going to change stuff up a little, little bit. Yeah. So, well, we're going to integrate you slowly so it's not just all one big spell swoop. You have uh, seven days to get. Adjusted. <laughs> so here's the change. Um, we are going to stop doing a national day or international day. Yep. And we are going to start bringing you, in the spirit of, tell me something I didn't need to know. I like it. A bizarre and unusual word that you may never have heard of before, but that you could actually use in your everyday life. If we do our jobs right, they will never have heard of these words. I know. Well, I'm sure some people will have. The smart ones. <laughs> the ones who read a lot. The ones who listen to us as they go to sleep. Yeah. Because that's ones. what we do for them. <laughs> mm. That is fabulous coffee you picked out for us today, Mary. Good Thanks. job. Good Thanks. choice. We are drinking coffee today. And what kind of coffee? We have are we a drink? lot of recording to do, so we thought we'd start off slow and not start off with alcohol because God we'd, only knows what. We'd like to be able to stay in our chair by the end of this. Yes, because some some podcast hosts do not stay in their chairs as they drink, and some podcast hosts, and we aren't throwing any um, shade at them, but some podcast hosts are. Clearly intoxicated well before halfway through their podcast. Because we have never done that. No, not us. Oh, my God. So I'm listening to True Crime Obsessed last night. And they're celebrating their 200th episode. Girl! I know. I love them. Love them. Oh, my God. Yeah. So what they did was they kind of went back and they didn't have like a set amount, but they kind of went back and they pulled audio clips from the past 200 episodes. And they've done a lot. Yes. Um... Patrick bought a bottle of Dom Perignon for them to celebrate, <laughs> which, you know, is totally amazing. Yeah. Well, no. Let me rephrase that. I don't like Dom Perignon. No. I don't think it's anything fascinating. But anyway. If people like sh actual champagne, they may very well like Dom. Mary and I, we're not dry drinkers. Patrick fell off of his chair a minimum of three times during the podcast. And that was before the break where they had to go out and get more because they drank the whole bottle and they needed more. Oh, dear It was Lord. amazing. It was so much fun. It was so much they, fun. Their episodes are always fun. I know, but this was so amazingly fun. So anyone who hasn't listened to it, True Crime Obsessed, Patrick and Jillian are amazing. Oh, they absolutely. Definitely, 
And, and the difference between like the early ones and the now ones are, are like day and night. They were like little tiny babies in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, kind of like we still are. Anyway, um, we are drinking. Did I tell people what we're drinking? No, I I'm. we no. mentioned coffee, but I asked you what you had picked out and you did. You got off on the, I got, that tangent. I guess I tried. Blueberry honey coffee. It's and lovely. It is delicious. It's a light roast, a little blueberry, a little honey. It's it's delicious. Very, very, very lovely flavor. Yes. Smells great. Okay. So as we uh, as we said, we are going to be changing things up a little. Today, however, Mary is still going to do a national day. And I am going to bring you your very first word of the week. Sweet. All right. On the other podcast. Today being Halloween. The other podcast comes out on Wednesdays. So on November 3rd, it's called The Service in This Establishment. <laughs> yeah, we have a another one bites the dust corner. We have the story of Celie Rose, who poisoned her entire dysfunctional family. And we have a story on human composting. Bet you didn't see that one coming. I rarely see the stories you bring me coming. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I don't either. So right. That's probably one of the best things about these the podcasts that we do. With the exception of any bonus episodes, which are themed, we do not tell each other what we are going to do a story on ahead of time. No, we definitely don't. So the reactions that you get, the things that you hear come out of our mouth. Genuine. Genuine, not rehearsed, legitimate Honest reactions. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. Yes. All right, so let me get my national day out of the week. Yes, Mary, tell us. Knock, knock. Who is there? Rufus. Rufus who? Rufus, the most important part of your house. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Luke. Luke who? Look through the people and find out. I might actually tell my boss that, because one of my managers, his name is Luke. Knock, knock. Who's there? Ice cream. Ice cream who? Ice cream if you don't give me some candy. Wow. Rude. Any idea what day it is? It is National Knock Knock Joke Day. It is. And we all know, we all know that laughter is the very, very best medicine. When I was a kid, I had a favorite knock knock joke. Okay. Knock knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock knock. My doors wore out. <laughs> knock knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Orange, you glad I didn't say banana? <laughs> Kids are amazing. Um, so, because laughter is the best medicine, share some laughter. Share some knock-knock jokes today. National Knock-Knock Joke Day. And don't forget to share your best knock-knock joke on your social media. And if you would love to share your favorite knock knock joke with us we'd love it if you uh send it to us you can send it to us in our email you can message us on facebook or post it on our page i'm pretty sure they can go on anchor and leave us a voice message too oh yes anchor does have the ability now they've added this cool little feature you can leave us voice messages right on our anchor account hell yes so if you would love to send us a voice knock knock joke message we will save them, and we will play them on the air. 
So happy knock knock National Knock Knock Joke Day! Awesome! I love that day. I know that was awesome. All right. So in the spirit of Halloween, yes, I have a word for us. Sorry. We're gonna test you, Mary. Okay. Oh God! I'm. You might as well just put a big F on my forehead. Eldritch. Eldritch. I've heard this word. It is sp- spelled E L D R I T C H. Yes. Eldritch. 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 I've heard this word. I feel like it refers to a person, but I honestly don't remember. Eldritch things are spooky and weird. They are the things that make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Ooh. So if you're reading a horror or a fantasy story, you may see the word eldritch. It It is defined as meaning uncanny, unearthly, and weird in a supernatural way. Ooh. So, for example, anything a witch does is eldritch. Oh, okay. Goblins and elves are eldritch creatures. And a story full of ghosts and strange monsters is full of eldritch elements. Pretty cool. There you go. That's our word of the week. Eldritch. 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 Go to work and use it. Call your mom and use it. See how many people actually do know it. And if you have kids, share this with them. Oh, God, yeah. Because all kids love to learn and use weird words. Yes, they do. Yeah. All right. Okay. Have you any tidbits for us today? I always have tidbits. Oh, good. All right. All right. Melvin Glick, he's 19 years old. Yes. Hit a utility pole about 7 in the morning on a rural road in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Oh, my God. Yeah, you already know this can't be good. He should have left the distillery a little earlier than he did. Yeah. So hitting the pole left his car pretty pretty badly damaged. He left it in a farmer's field. Oh. But before he left it in the field, we'll say Melvin was a little pissed off, a little upset at his car. So he got out of his car, jumped on top of the car, jumped up and down on his car, and then shot it with a shotgun. Oh my God. Because that is going to fix the problem. And not just once, but multiple times. Five, to be exact. He shot his car five times. Wow. Maybe he's trying to put it down. Wow. Melvin's not real bright. So Melvin is cited for several traffic violations, but he's not cited for any firearm offenses because... If you, in Pennsylvania, choose to damage your own property with your own gun, and you don't endanger anyone else, it's totally legal. But he's going to need a different car. I think that he should, his punishment should include having to drive the car the way it is. (laughs) I don't know if it's drivable. Five shotgun rounds. Wow. Yeah. Not real bright. Instant air conditioning. Hell yeah. Well, depends on where you shoot it. Mm. Crazy. And stupid. Yeah, that's that's pretty messed up. So, speaking of crazy and stupid. Yes. We talk about Glenn Newton. He lives in Wakefield, West Yorkshire. That's going to be in, he, in the UK, in he, England, right? He is also a little pissed. Uh-oh. He lost his membership at the Woolly Park Golf Club because he was behaving badly towards the staff. They finally said, you got to go. He didn't take it well. So, he down, dons a baklava. Balakava. A disguise. You put on a disguise. I think it might be a balakava. It is. 
to the skies. <laughs> you know English and I are not on good terms. English, math, adulting. Absolutely. Um, so he puts on his disguise and he sneaks onto the golf course and he has a watering can full of liquid glyphosate. That's not good for grass. That's the herbicide that's used to control weeds and grass in Roundup. Yep. So he pours it all over the green on the third hole. Did he spell any particular words with it? It did not say that he did. He um, did this one. It's dark out. Well, I'd like to say that I've already I've already deducted points for a lack of creativity here. <laughs> he gets no points. Um, golf courses have cameras. Everybody, yes. everybody has cameras. Yes, they do. So yeah, he got caught. He actually caused about twenty two thousand dollars worth of damage to the one green. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, I think he'd have done better if he'd have gone out there and peed his initials. He was gonna get busted either way. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. Anything? The stupidity never stops, ever. So we have one more. Okay. Because I know you love animal stories. I do. And I know you love animals having surgery stories. Jesus, stop it. <laughs> now what? To most of us, a goldfish is something. Oh my something. God, I almost said, is it a goldfish? I know I haven't seen whatever it is, but it was the stupidest thing I could think of. They live like 30 minutes. <laughs> um, actually, they can live for years and years and years. I know. And they I can know. get massive. So most of us, we think about a goldfish. It's that 10-cent fish at the store, or you win it at the fair. It lasts a couple weeks. You know, you learn about life and death. I'm going to love it forever until I don't. And then mom flushes it down the toilet. But some people... Some people actually give a shit about their goldfish. Yep. So this story is told from the perspective of the vet. Because everyone should take their goldfish to the vet. Okay. Okay. 17-year-old Bluebell, that's the goldfish, is so loved that her owner just forked out 300 pounds or $408.53 for surgery on the mouth of the goldfish. I already have questions. The vet whose name is Hannah Jessup, said that Bluebell is actually hand-fed by the owners, and Bluebell will come to the surface so she can get it back. But Bluebell wasn't feeling well, a little sick, and she had something growing in her mouth that was interfering with her eating. Hannah said, Bluebell had developed a few lumps over the years that they were monitoring. I don't know how often. Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> You take your vet, your goldfish, to the vet. But I don't usually take my vet to the goldfish. <laughs> she might make house goals. So <clears throat> the owners noticed another mass that was growing in her mouth, which started to affect her eating. So, as the vet said, we decided it was best to intervene, as it was now impacting the fish's quality of life, which really is the most important thing here. How old here. is Bluebell at this point? Do 17 we know? years. Yeah. 17. Okay. She's in the prime. Mm-hmm. So we booked Bluebell in for surgery to remove the lump in her mouth. And this is actually the second time this particular vet had been involved in fish surgery. However, it was the first time that she was actually in command of the procedure. From start to finish, it took one hour. 
that's putting her to sleep and taking her out of the recovery room. <laughs> the procedure to remove the mask only took 20 minutes, though. So obviously it took longer to put her to sleep and get her out than it did to actually do surgery. Bluebell was quickly taken home, back in her water, and is now healthier than she has been in months. God bless Bluebell. How do you put stitches in a, in a fish's mouth? I hope they're not the kind that just dissolve. With a fish needle. Fish hook. With a fish hook. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> How do you know if the fish is in pain? She cries. <laughs> Dry tears. Jesus. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, since you have brought us a animal story, I have an animal story for you. Awesome. In the Homosassa River. Homosassa. 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 Oh, I think I'd like to swim there. Just 50 yards from shore. The Homosassa River is 50 yards from shore? No, no. In the Homosassa River, <laughs> okay. just 50 yards from shore, okay. lies the most unlikely of places. Some call it Monkey Alcatraz. Monkey Alcatraz. Is that where all the bad monkeys go to serve out their sentences? Located in Homosassa, Florida. Homosassa, Florida. Just offshore from the Florida Cracker Riverside Resort. The, and the Monkey Bar. <laughs> I, I, I really like the name Homosassa. I do. I think my next child will be named Homosassa. Good luck on that. <laughs> the customers have front row seats to the oftentimes wild antics of a group of monkeys living on a nearby island. The monkeys climb platforms, they swing from ropes, they clamber around the small lighthouse on the island, playing in the trees, and generally monkeying around, as monkeys are known to do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's their job in life. Now, these five monkeys are the only inhabitants of the small island. <gasps> only five? It's a small island. We should get more. The monkeys all have names. Of course. They are Ralph, Ebony, Sassy, Eve, and Emily. They are spider monkeys. And they come with a pretty incredible and amusing backstory. In the 1960s, Island Lies Now was just a jumble of rocks that was submerged below the waterline during high tide. Just low enough to be hidden and large enough to rip the bottoms out of passing boats. Oh. Definitely a problem. Yeah, that would be a problem. So that's when a local developer named G.A. Ferguson, also known as Fergie, decided to take matters into his own hands. He was getting ready to head off to Africa for a business trip, but before he left, he ordered one of the local crews to dump dirt onto the rocks and build the area up enough so that it would be visible to the, boat, to the boaters and no longer be a hazard. Okay, that's smart. That's smart. When he returned from his trip, he was a little shocked, however, to see what awaited him. The crew may have been a, a bit overzealous. And there was now a small island where the rocks had been. <laughs> Yay! It, it actually encompassed a lot more area than just the rocks. Okay. I don't see a problem with this. Fergie constructed a lighthouse on the small island for boater safety. Oh, good. That's a good plan. Because the whole reason behind this to begin with was... Keep boats safe. Exactly. He also planted some trees and some plants on the island. Very cool. Very nice of him. Yeah. Yep. Now, while all of this was going on, Fergie was also building the nearby exotic and exotic 
plant and wildlife attraction, which is now known as the Ellie Schiller Homosassa Springs Wildlife State Park. Say that four times fast. No shit. (laughs) Now, also around the same time, a man by the name of Dr. John Hamlet had brought a group of monkeys to the U.S. for help in perfecting the polio vaccine. I don't like that part. Yeah, let's not even get me started on how I feel about that. I don't like that part. I I understand. I understand. I do. Don't like it, but I understand. And I even know that it's, to some extent, still common practice, but doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Okay. After the vaccine work was complete, and the exotic plant and animal wildlife refuge was also complete, something needed to be done with the monkeys. Are we putting them in the wildlife refuge? They weren't needed anymore for the vaccine work. It was done. So that's how Dr. Hamlet and the monkeys ended up at Fergie's wildlife attraction, at least for a little while. Because the monkeys were naughty. (laughs) They were bad monkeys. Bad, naughty little monkeys. (laughs) No big surprise, right? (laughs) Monkeys are typically known to be mischievous. Oh my god, yes. Adorable, but mischievous. Yes, they are. The monkeys regularly escaped from the park. They were getting into cars. They were stealing candy. (laughs) And they were even biting visitors. (gasps) Which is bad. That is bad. That part's really bad. That part's not funny. Not good at all. No. Now, what could they do with them? They should be drive. One day, Fergie realized he had the perfect answer. The little island. Oh. So Fergie moved three spider monkeys and two squirrel monkeys to the island. Okay. The river would act as a natural barrier, encouraging the monkeys to stay on the island because apparently monkeys don't really like water and they don't like to swim. Okay. Monkey Alcatraz. That sounds mean if you put it that way. That just sounds mean. So the original five monkeys were Ralph. Uh-huh. He's the alpha male. Is he still there? He's he still is. There. He is still there. Okay. Sassy. She's still there. Yep. She's the matriarch. And she is also Ralph's partner. Monkeys can live to be a long time, yes. though, if they're well taken care yes. of. Ebony. Okay. She's still there. Yep. She is the daughter of Ralph and Sassy. Okay. Now, those three were the spider monkeys. Right. The two other monkeys, the squirrel monkeys, those were Tim mm-hmm. and Tiny. Tim and Tiny. Tiny Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Tim and Tiny lived for many happy years on the island. Good. They passed away in 2003 and 2005 from Ooh. natural causes. I like to hear that. In 2006, Eve and Emily were adopted and added to the island and bringing the total back up to the five monkeys. Now, from the very beginning, the monkeys have been popular with visitors to the nearby island. And they also seem to be entertained by the visitors that they can see. Right. Today, there have been numerous changes made to keep the monkeys healthy and safe. That's awesome. There is now a ring of floats and barriers around the island to discourage boaters, swimmers, and kayakers from actually getting too close to the island and approaching the monkeys. Because people really are stupid. Yeah. And they would. People are assholes. They are assholes. There are signs that warn that trespassing on the island or feeding the monkeys is illegal. The island is under 24-hour surveillance. You mean they have cameras? Yeah. Oh, wow. Imagine that. Right? Imagine that. I know, right? The monkeys are now owned by the Homosassa Riverside Resort. Okay. The monkeys are fed twice a day. Fresh food that's designed specifically for the monkeys. 
Now this includes leafy green vegetables, bananas, oranges, sweet potatoes, raw peanuts, and something called monkey chow. Okay. You know, I'm surprised they didn't like plant a banana tree and stuff like that on the island. I don't know what kind of, I don't know what all is on the island as far as plants go. Because I feel like they could plant bananas and peanuts and stuff on the island. And yeah, then well, the monkeys could just feed themselves. Peanuts grow under the ground. I know they do. Okay. All right. Monkeys know how to dig. They have little shovels, little monkey shovels. <laughs> but but then they start beating each other with them. Or they dig themselves off the island. They dig a tunnel underneath the whole yeah, 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 river. Yeah. <laughs> they start throwing them at the kayakers that get too close. <laughs> They're little baby monkey shovels. <laughs> they are given fresh water every single day. They are regularly checked over by trained medical staff, and their medical needs are taken care of as as that's appropriate awesome, and though. needed. That yep. really is. That's awesome. Their habitat now includes a small house that has blankets, bedding materials, and heat in it. Because what? It, it does get cold. Mm-hmm. They have a house. They have a house. <laughs> monkey house. A monkey house with little bed, little monkey beds, and little monkey blankets. Uh, I wonder who has to wash those. The habitat is changed regularly in both large and small ways. The layout is moved around and swapped out with other items to keep them stimulated. Their food is rotated and changed up. I mean, they do all kinds of little things for them. That's awesome. They have free run of the island. It is their safe home. Now, visitors to the resort and the bar can walk down a short dock that's nearby to get a more close-up view of the monkeys, which the monkeys really seem to enjoy. A local nonprofit is working to bring the island up to current USDA standards. Doesn't sound like it's actually required, but they want to do this and make sure that the monkeys are... are That's so cool, yeah. though. More monkeys may actually be added in the future, but not a whole lot more because it is a small island. You should put that on our bucket list if we go to Florida. I know. I had that thought. Now, if you want to go see the monkeys for yourself, enjoy a cold beverage while you and the monkeys entertain and amuse each other. You can find them at 10985 West Xanadu Path in Homosassa, Florida. And I know I'm adding this to our bucket list because, uh, hello, monkeys. Hell yeah. And you think we like margaritas and monkeys? Put them together. What could be better? I love it. Monkey Alcatraz. Yeah. Love it. That was awesome. I thought you might enter, might be entertained and enjoy that little story. I do. Everybody loves monkeys. Well, maybe not everybody, but... I don't care about the rest of people. <laughs> I was just going to say. But, but I don't count. We love monkeys. That's what's important. Yeah. And I'm glad that they're really... They're really being very well taken I'm care gonna of. I'm going to try to throw a link on there when I upload this episode. Yeah. Um, so that we have the email address or the web address, I mean... For our listeners, if they want to check it out themselves, that would be really cool. Yeah. Yes. And then anyone who is going to Florida, go check it out. If you live in Florida and you hey, have... picture. I was going to say, if you live in Florida and or you have been there, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah. If you want? have pictures, send them to us. We'd love to see them. We'll amazing. share them. This is amazing information. I thought you guys might like to know this. Hell yes. We don't need to, but yes, we need... Yeah. We'd love to know that. Listen... You might not have needed to, but you needed to. Monkey Alcatraz. Love it. Yeah. All right, we're going to switch up. Okay. Ready? Yeah, of course. I'm okay. always ready for you. The Salem Witch Trials. Ooh, Salem yeah. Witch Trials. Yes. Yeah. We've all heard of them. Oh, duh. Uh, they're a very vivid, they're a very painful legacy in the history of the United States. 
They came about because of church politics, family feuds, and hysterical children. And I think if they had duct tape, it would have solved all those problems. <laughs> so according to History.com, quote, the infamous Salem witch trials began during the spring of 1692. After a group of young girls in Salem Village, Massachusetts, claimed to be possessed by the devil and accused several local women of witchcraft. Right. As a wave of hysteria spread throughout colonial Massachusetts. Have you ever seen the play The Crucible? No. I believe our brother Keith did it in high school at Fruitport. Okay. It was also done when I was in high school at Fruitport. Okay. And honestly, if if you have the opportunity to see it and you haven't seen it, I do recommend it. It is based on this exact scenario and the trials, and it's very I'll well done. I'll watch it with you if you watch uh, The Shangsha. Redemption was The me. Shawshank Redemption? That one, too. That gives us three of them to watch. <laughs> um, well, it's a play. I don't know that it's been made into a movie, but it is very well. I'm sure you could find it on somewhere. Very well done. <clears throat> okay. So, as a wave of hysteria spread throughout colonial Massachusetts, a special court is convened in Salem to hear these cases. The first convicted witch, Bridget Bishop, is hanged that June. Eighteen others followed her to the gallows, while another 150 more men, women, and children were accused over the next several months. By September of 1692, the hysteria had started to subside, and public opinion turned against the trials. Though the Massachusetts General Court later annulled guilty verdicts against accused witches and granted indemnities to the families, bitterness lingered for in the community and the painful legacy of the Salem Witch Trials endured for centuries. Can I add something? Yes. I actually learned this recently. Okay. Despite the popular belief, no witches, witches, as I say with air quotes, were ever burned at the stake. Okay. Everyone who was convicted and put Yeah, you death, always think about witches being burned at the stake. Right. Everyone who was... hung. Yep. They were all hung, or they were simply imprisoned, and a lot of them actually died in prison, before yes. they were released and yes. and acquitted, found not guilty, found whatever they, you want to call it. So here's the story. And you're wondering why we're doing this on this podcast? No. Okay, we'll get to it. I know you always do. In January of 1692, nine-year-old Elizabeth Paris and 11-year-old Abigail Williams. This is the daughter and the niece of Samuel Paris, the minister of Salem Village. Yep. Began having fits including violent con- convulsions, contortions. <laughs> I don't know why that was so hard to say. And uncontrollable outbursts of screaming. After a local doctor diagnosed Bill bewitchment, other young girls in the community began to exhibit similar symptoms, including Ann Putnam Jr., Mercy Lewis, Elizabeth Hubbard, Mary Walcourt, and Mary Warren. And all of these people, all of these girls, and these names are all in the Crucible. Yeah. This is a super well-known story. Yep. So in late February, arrest warrants were issued for the Paris's Caribbean slave, the tuba, along with two other women. There was a homeless beggar, Sarah Good, and the poor elderly, Sarah Osborne, because the girls had accused them of bewitching them. Right. The three accused witches were brought before the magistrates, Jonathan Corwin and John Hawthorne, and they were questioned, even as their accusers appeared in the courtroom in a grand display of spasms, contortions, screaming, and writhing. 
Although Good and Osborne denied their guilt, Tatuba confessed, and likely seeking to save herself from certain conviction by acting as an informer, she claimed that there were other witches acting alongside her in service of the devil against all the Puritans. Right. As hysteria spread throughout the community and beyond into the rest of Massachusetts, a number of others were accused, including Martha Corey and Rebecca Nurse, both who were regarded as upstanding members of the church and community. Dorothy Good was also accused. She's four years old. Yep. So like Tatuba, several accused witches confessed and they named others. And the trials soon began to overwhelm the local justice system. So in May of 1692, the newly appointed governor of Massachusetts, his name is William Phipps, he ordered the establishment of a special court of lawyer here in a special court of terminer to decide on all the witchcraft cases for Suffolk, Essex, and Middlesex counties. Right. Apparently one court couldn't do both these things. They had to have two courts, one to hear, one to decide. So presided over by judges, including Hawthorne, Samuel Sewell, and Will William Stoughton, the court handed down his first conviction against Bridget Bishop. And on June 2nd, she was hanged. She was hung on the day that would later be on she was hung at what would later become known as Gallows Hill in Salem Town. The following month in July, five more people were hanged, five in August and eight in September. In addition, several other accused witches died in jail, while the elderly Giles Corey, who was Martha's husband, was pressed to death by stones because he refused to enter a plea when he was arraigned. Humans were not the only ones affected by the hysteria that was flying through the air at the time. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> During the trials, two dogs were killed based on suspicions of witchcraft. One dog was shot after a girl suffering from convulsions accused the dog of trying to bewitch her. However, after the dog's death, the local minister reasoned that if the dog had put, or if the devil had possessed the dog, it would not have been so easily killed with a bullet. The second dog was actually thought to be a victim of witchcraft whose tormentors fled Salem before they could be tried in court. And interestingly enough, the dog's role did not end here. They were also used for identifying witches in Salem. They used the witch cake test. Remember this? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. If a dog was fed a cake that was made with rye and the urine of an afflicted person, and it displayed the same symptoms as the victim, that indicated the presence of witchcraft. So the dog was also supposed to then point to the people who had bewitched the victim. Though the respected minister, Cotton Mather, had warned of the dubious value of spectral evidence, which is basically using testimony about dreams and visions, all of his concerns were largely unheeded during the Salem witch trials. Increase Mather, that was Cotton's father, also joined his son in urging that the standards of evidence for witchcraft must be equal to those for any other crime. They both said that it would be better that 10 suspected witches may escape than one innocent person be condemned. So public support started to decline for the trials. Right. <clears throat> Governor Phipps dissolves the court of Oyer and the court of Terminer that following October. And then he then says that any further court has to disregard spectral evidence if they're going to try witches. So the trial continued until early 1693. And by May of 1693, Phipps had pardoned and released all of those left in prison on witchcraft charges. 
So in January of 1697, the Massachusetts General Court declared a day of fasting for the tragedy of the Salem Witch Trials. Okay. They deemed the trials unlawful, and the leading justice, Samuel Sewell, who actually had taken part of it, publicly apologized for his role in all the processes. But the damage to the community lingered. Even after the Massachusetts colony passed legislation restoring the good names of the condemned, and they provided financial restitution to the heirs in 1711. But whether out of fear or shame, not all of the families came forward to accept the apologies and the money. Okay. So, moving forward to 1957. In 1957, the state of Massachusetts declared a resolution to clear the name of another victim, Ann Pruditer. And they also um, cleared some other people whose names weren't listed. Okay. In November of 2001, more than three centuries after they were all accused, tried, and hanged as unrepentant witches on the Gallows Hill in Salem, five more women had been officially exonerated by the state. The act approved by the legislature was signed on Halloween of that year by the acting governor and it cleared the names of Bridget Bishop, Susanna Martin, Alice Parker, Wilmot Red, and Margaret Scott. Which brings us to 2021. Okay. 328 years after the Massachusetts woman was wrongly convicted of witchcraft and sentenced to death, she's finally on the verge of being exonerated, thanks to a very curious 8th grade class. Oh. In the 328 years that have ensued, dozens of suspects officially were cleared and exonerated, including her own mother, the daughter of a minister, whose conviction eventually had been reversed. But for some reason, Elizabeth Johnson's name was not included on any of the legislative attempts to set the record straight. Aww. 28 members of Johnson's family were persecuted on superstition-backed claims of witchcraft. 28. Can you imagine losing 28 members of your family? That's bullshit. insane. Elizabeth Johnson was unmarried. She was described by people who knew her as simplish at her best. She was described as being senseless and ignorant. After confessing to being a witch, she was sentenced to be hanged, but eventually received a reprieve, and she was never executed. Kind of sounds like she just had a mental disability. Right. Um, and she just kind of went along with what they said. Johnson was 22 years old at the time of her trial, and she actually lived to be until her 70s. But because she was not among those whose convictions were formally set aside, hers still technically stands. And because she never had children, there was no group of descendants working on her behalf. So the 8th grade class from North Andover Middle School in North Andover, Massachusetts, are championing efforts to posthumously pardon this young woman who was sentenced to death for witchcraft in 1693 during the heights of the Salem witchcraft hysteria. The students in Carrie Lapeer's civics class spent an entire year researching the case of Elizabeth Johnson, whom they discovered was the only remaining person wrongfully convicted of witchcraft who had not been exonerated. They reviewed original historical sources, and they learned that Johnson was targeted because she not only belonged to a politically disfavored family, but she deviated from accepted gender norms, and she may have been intellectually disabled. Right. So after gathering their research, students began a letter-writing campaign to clear Johnson's name, 
and they actually persuaded their state senator to introduce legislation to exonerate Johnson. Good for them. The students helped draft the bill, which the senator introduced in March of 2021, and which has received a hearing in the Senate Judiciary Committee in July. The outcome still has not been decided. Why? I don't freaking know. Don't, right. What, what is there to decide? Hello? There's nothing. Nothing to decide. Her name still hasn't been cleared. It's still because it's it's government. This should be a no-brainer, though. It, it is should a literally no-brainer. be. I'd like to introduce this. Here are the facts. Blah Give me blah your blah. Approval stamp. Everybody. Boom, done. Okay, let's see it. Let's let's vote right now. Okay, we're done. Sign off. Yeah. Who said kids aren't smarter than grown-ups? Oh Jesus! If they were up to these eighth graders, should have been cleared. Yeah. Immediately. That is Elizabeth Johnson. That's pretty awesome. So the Crucible. It was written by Arthur Miller. It actually premiered in January of 1953 on Broadway. It has been redone multiple times. Um, It has been made into multiple movies and TV series. And I will tell you that um, in 2002, there was a Broadway revival. Liam Neeson was in it. And I would be surprised if there are very many people who don't know who Liam Neeson is. Right. Um, there is a 2000 and... Oh, 19, sorry. 1996 film adaptation called The Crucible, which had Daniel Day-Lewis and Winona Ryder in it. Um, it has won multiple awards, and it is considered a classic, both on stage and on film. I've never seen it. I mean, these are things we need to put on our list, honestly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that was a really cool story, and I really like that it was kind of a spooky Halloween little... It was, which I did not do on purpose, but, you know, that frequently happens. Um, Frequently. So, Arthur Miller kind of describes The Crucible as a partially fictionized, but... Mm -hmm really based off of historic events play and and it it, like i said i've seen it more than once it's very well done so if that is something that interests our listeners check that one out too check it out it will kind of put that whole story mary did in a little bit more visual perspective for you yeah i took the um somebody sent me the headline of the eighth graders that's beautiful. So I just took that and turned it into a whole story. Yeah, I thought I'd give everybody a little background and yeah, that's amazing. You know, um, try to not make it too long and boring, but awesome. It was a horrible time in our history, and it absolutely was. And, and we have monkeys to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suspect that we had uh, head down to Florida. <clears throat> we have a lot to look forward to. There's so much in Florida that would be amazing to do when we get there that isn't yeah. the normal touristy stuff because we don't do that yeah yeah not so much all right well thank you to everyone who stopped by and yes. spent a little bit of their day with us today an amazing we an amazing hope, episode yeah we hope that you for everyone who celebrates that you have a safe and a happy halloween eldritch that's our word of the week eldritch Eld- eldritch 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 uh, english is confusing See how many times you can throw that into a conversation in the next week. Yeah. We hope you learned something with us today. You can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. You can find us at tmsidntk at gmail.com. 
and our Facebook feed has all of our other links. So if you want to start there, if you want to send us an email, whatever, that's awesome. Yep, we're on Twitter. We T-M-S-I-D-N-T-K. We love your suggestions, your ideas, your comments. We love them. Keep them coming. You can now send us voice messages on Anchor. Yes. If you have enjoyed your short time with us today, feel free to leave us a rating and a review on any of the streaming platforms that you listen on. That not only lets us know how we're doing, helps other people find us. Yes. And we are everywhere right now. It is a very quick, easy, and free way for you to help support us. Yes. Without giving us money. Yeah. 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 We don't take money. Um, we would, but nobody offers it. I was so just, just going to say. I was, I, I was going to say. I mean, I don't know. We haven't really been offered any, but. And you can find us everywhere. Yes. Literally freaking Yes. Everywhere. It's awesome. If you want to cross-advertise, if you have your own podcast, hit us up. We would love to cross-advertise with you. Yeah. I, you loved, I love sharing new podcasts on oh, here. Oh, gosh. I do. Yeah. I love yeah. telling. Even if people don't ask me to, I still, if I enjoy it, I'm going to share it with you. Yeah. Yeah. We do that a lot. All right. Final thought till next time? I got nothing. Sure you do. Stay mischievous. Have a great week, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Passing by, and now I beg to see you. There's just one more.